Hi there, and welcome to a special, another special, a back-to-back -back day, 2-0 postseason lead, World Series lead, <laughs> episode of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I am John. I, I know this is a bad thing to say on a podcast where we're supposed to talk for half an hour or more, but I'm speechless. Yeah. I'm I, out of words. There's nothing, I mean... Ever going into this series, I mean, you can't have predicted this team to go up two nothing on Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, and yet, I mean, they didn't even look phased by those two. I mean, last night they tagged Cole for five runs, tonight they tagged Verlander for four, um, and you know, to come out the way that they did in that first inning. Verlander is pretty much only vulnerable in the first and when he's really getting towards the end and he's tired. They got to him for two in the first. Great small ball. Uh, Adam Eaton, I mean, Turner walked to lead off the game on four not close pitches. But then Eaton sprayed a ball, beautiful slap hit swing, something that you might have seen that wouldn't have been out of place in 1989. Uh so they had two on, nobody out. Anthony Rendon falls down two strikes, hits a changeup off the wall, scores two runs. The Nats get two. Steven Strasburg comes out, gives up a two-run homer to Alex Bregman. It's a tie game. Both pitchers shut it down from there. Verlander is fantastic for five innings. And then in the seventh, the Nats, they managed to get to him on Kurt Suzuki, who has had the worst playoffs of any Nat, mm -hmm. who all game looked like he had no idea what he was doing behind the plate. Uh, he, he took multiple off-speed pitches from Strasburg that were close to the zone and yanked them out of the zone. I mean, they, were, they went from right at the bottom of the zone to glove on the ground. And... Then he comes up, and he swings, and not only does he find the Crawford boxes, he goes over the Crawford boxes. Yeah. I mean, he's been hitting, he has been hitting the ball hard. He's gotten some balls that off the bat kind of look like a homer. Tonight, was, there was one in the, um, in the fourth inning that he crushed. Mm -hmm. It just you know didn't have enough. And then he did have one that definitely got enough in the, the seventh. And yeah. it's just... You know, I say this a lot. I've said this a lot on the podcast. I said this in our pro season preview. I think I said it yesterday. But this team can just put the runs on in a, in a hurry. Um, and they can just put up a crooked number so fast. And that's what makes this team so deadly is the fact well, that their next man up mentality where, you know, if somebody doesn't get the hit like Rendon didn't get the, the hit with runners on second and third with one out. He didn't even hit the ball far enough for a sack fly with Robles on third. Um, right. but you know, then they intentionally walked Juan Soto, the 20 year old Juan Soto who, and the Astros had not issued an intentional walk all year. And their first one was to the 20 year old kid in the world, in the series. world series. And then Howie Kendrick comes through with an infield single that, you know, could have been an error, but who's to say, I mean, Alex Bregman is, uh, is supposedly the MVP. Yeah. <laughs> not in that inning. No, I mean, so the Nats caught a whole bunch of breaks in that seventh inning. They got an infield single by or 
Alex Bregman couldn't make the play. It was rightly scored an infield single, but it's a play he should have made. Mm-hmm. Then Astrubal Cabrera hits a soft sinking liner where a shortstop would normally be, but the uh, Astros had vacated the left side of the infield, and so it goes into no man's land for a two-run single. And then Ryan Zimmerman beats out his second infield hit of the ball game. So the Nets have caught a whole bunch of breaks this playoffs. But what they've done really well is put themselves in a position to catch those breaks. Mm They, they, if they strike out, if, if Kendrick goes down swinging instead of chopping the ball in play, there's no chance for anyone to make a mistake there. If uh, if Cabrera doesn't fight off that two-strike pitch on his hands, there's no chance for it to find a hole. I, they have done an excellent job, and, and to your point, one of the main reasons that they do such a good job of stringing hits together and get rally, getting rallies going is because... They are both not reliant on the home run, and they put the ball in play. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, again, the Nats struck out not, 10 times tonight. I mean, one of those strikeouts led to a base runner, which led to a run. Um, and they struck out seven times last night. I mean, this is a team that has swing and miss stuff. And the Nationals were able to, you know, limit their strikeouts and put the ball in play a lot. And that was the difference in that sixth inning. Um I mean, they didn't have a single strike on that inning. Uh, one of the outs was a bunt. One of the other one was Rendon's flyout, and the other one was a line drive that was snared by Correa. Oh no, that was the next inning. Sorry, uh, Robles grounded ground out. The short. Yeah, ground out the yeah. short. Um, so, just putting the ball in play. I mean, there's a lot to say about that, and that was the thing about the Astros coming into the series is that they put the ball in play a lot, and tonight they did. I mean, eight strikeouts, only eight strikeouts in the game. But they still, the Astros still have not been able to get that big hit in situations. I mean, you look, look back at that sixth inning when the Nats were a, I mean, they had sec, first and second one out, the Astros did. And they had Jordan Alvarez, who's, uh, Carlos Correa, who's looked really good. I mean, that hasn't looked really good, sorry. Um, they had Carlos Correa, who's been a problem for them this postseason, um, besides that one homer in game two of the ALCS. And they had Kyle Tucker. And all they needed was a base hit there, and the whole game is different. I mean, and then Correa goes, he goes one two, he gets a call on. He, so one two, there's a change up that Suzuki does a terrible job framing. Mm-hmm. Two two, Strasburg throws a perfect paint fastball that's maybe an inch off the plate, doesn't get the call, and he's tiring. He's clearly out of gas, running on fumes. Correa gets the count to 3-2, and then he jams himself on a changeup and pops it up. Mm-hmm. And then Tucker gets the count to 3-2. He's down 2-0. Strasburg comes with two off-speed pitches to get back in the count. Tucker gets the count to 3-2, and then Strasburg, on his last legs, with nothing left in the tank, just flips a curveball in, and you could see Kyle Tucker's soul leave his body. Yeah, there. I think tonight was a perfect example of the difference between Steven Strasburg, the pitcher, and Steven Strasburg, the thrower. Um, I mean, before you know, when he had A plus stuff, when he had his uh, 100 mile an hour fastball, he could just throw it and miss bats. But as his fastball velocity has diminished, 
he's had to really learn to become a, a pitcher. And that means, you know, locating your spots, you know, a developing location with your off-speed pitches. And that was on display tonight. Um, I mean, he only had one walk. I mean, it was an intentional walk, so I don't know if you count that as a walk. But he forced the Astros to put the ball in play, which is the right play against, I mean, it's, I mean, there's hard to say right play against the Astros, but I think that's a smarter move. You don't want to give him, give him runners, uh, free runners right. with walks. So he, he made the Astros beat him and they just couldn't, uh, you know, but outside that one change up to Bregman, he really did a great job at neutralizing the threat throughout the night. I mean, there'd be runners on oftentimes he had one clean inning the entire game. But that's kind of the Astros' M.O. They'll get on, and as long as you can limit them from coming through and getting that big hit, you're, you're in the good. And that's exactly now, what, what Strasburg was able to do. Now, I don't know if the Nats' insane success with runners in scoring position this series will last. I mean, the, the Astros are getting runners on base. They're just not getting them home. And, I mean, you can chalk up a lot of that to luck. But I want to say that there's one aspect of that that you can't chalk up to luck, and it's it's the two things that Strasburg now, the pitcher, is better at than Strasburg, the thrower, used to be. Uh, the first thing is that Strasburg can now throw that curveball for a strike in any count to any hitter. Uh, and what that does, I mean, even more so than having it as an effective out pitch, is it manages to keep him in counts. He doesn't have to throw a fastball in hitters' counts because he can just flip that curveball in there. Uh, I mean, you look at that 3-2 pitch to, to Tucker as the perfect example of that. There's no way that a lesser pitcher feels comfortable or confident throwing a 3-2 curveball in the zone there because it had to be in the zone. Mm -hmm. uh, because Tucker isn't swinging if he sees the break. No. It, it had to be a strike. And it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted to the Astros, they, I mean, tonight they really didn't chase too much off Strasburg. They were able to lay off some really good pitches. Um, and especially the changeup. Especially the changeup. They up. were um, very effective at laying off the changeup. Yeah. So, but Strasburg was still able to, to beat them. I mean, it was just a, it was a really impressive performance from Strasburg. And it just shows how far he's come as a pitcher. And yeah. Just to say one thing about the Strasburg shutdown, I know people won't like this, but you know he's not. I don't think he's around anymore if we don't shut him down in 2012, and he doesn't develop into this type of pitcher. You know, and we don't get to see this. So, I, I don't want to talk about the Strasburg <laughs> shutdown, even even a little bit. Nope. I think Steven Strasburg has earned the right to not even have that be a footnote on his resume it, no. it doesn't even deserve to be mentioned at this point i mean even all the fawning profiles that have come out about strasburg over the past month or so have all included the controversial shutdown finally building a legacy absent that shutdown and i i think that's so unfair because strasburg doesn't deserve to to have that decision which was made for him mm -hmm. define him and i think he personally has moved past that uh, I don't think he lets that bother him at all. No. But I, I just feel like we should do a better job of not mentioning it. It's not, it's not the headliner on Stephen Strasburg's baseball obituary anymore. Nope. 
so, yeah, I mean, there's so many. I, I want to highlight one person uh, from the Nats who has not gotten any love this postseason, but I think definitely deserves to, and that's Adam Eaton. Um, I mean, Eaton this postseason uh, has had, you know, tonight he went two for four with a homer, a double, I mean, a homer, a single, a good bunt. I mean, granted, a double play granted, but just throughout this postseason, he has been able to get the big hit when the Nats needed it. Um, he hasn't been hitting all that much. You know, his average isn't that high. Um, but In the NLD, in the NLCS, he had four hits, mm-hmm. and each one of them was huge. Yeah. Each one of them may have been the highest leverage hit of the game. Yeah. I mean, he's batting, uh, before t- entering tonight, he's batting 225 on the postseason. I mean, it's definitely going to go up now. But he hasn't been hitting for all that av- much average. But just every hit he has, it's just been a big hit. And he's really knowing, he really knows when to make the hits count. I mean, yeah. from, the, from the NLDS, he had that, um, that double to score Robles in game two. Um, to, yeah, he had about two, or big, two big hits in the NLCS. And then tonight, he had that single to kind of get the ball rolling with uh, Rendon. He homered. He had that bunt. Last night, he had a big RBI single. I mean, I would have, I would have potentially. I mean, for the NLCS MVP, I would have given the MVP to Sanchez, but yeah. I would have given it over to Eaton over Kendrick, to be honest. Even though Kendrick had, might have had better numbers, Eaton had bigger hits. Well, I mean, there's there's precedent for something like that in the 2017 NLCS. Cody Bellinger hit 235 and won the MVP. So it's not, you know, Eaton again. You know, he had four hits in the NLCS. The first was a one-out triple that he later scored on to extend the lead to 2 nothing. The second was the huge double that turned a one nothing game into a 3 nothing game in Game 2. The third was in Game 3. Uh, it was the hit with two outs that first put runs on the board. And in Game 4, he had a double in the first inning to give the Nats second and third with nobody out. Mm-hmm. That really set up the rally. Yep. I mean, those those were huge, important at-bats. Now, I don't agree with you that he should have won MVP, and I don't agree with you that he even should have won it over Kendrick. But, uh, you know, he, he's gotten... He's been much maligned this, uh, this playoffs. There have been various... At various times, people have said, you need to bench him... Uh, you need to possibly pinch it for him in big situations. But he's had some huge hits. Uh, today, I was especially impressed. I mean, the home run was a garbage-time homer. I mean, yeah. as much as you want to call 8-2 to two <laughs> in, a NL's, in a World Series game. I'm not even comfortable saying the World, World <laughs> Series. Uh, but... Uh, that single that he slapped to left off of Verlander in the first was the exact type of approach that you want out of a traditional two-hitter like Eaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, just someone I who mean, can the, Nats... the ball. Just put the ball in play like that. Exactly. Uh, and the Nats have been having him bunt a lot, another traditional two-hitter thing. He hasn't gotten a lot of them down. He finally got one down today. Uh, but that's not the right use for him. You take a guy with bat control like that, uh, and if you're 
trying to harken back to the old days of two hitters. You want a guy like that to know when he should be slapping the ball to left and know when he should be hitting a 30 hopper to right or to, to second base. Uh, and I mean, I don't know if Eaton is that guy, but he's shown signs that he can be. And today he was. Yeah. And then he hit a 380 foot homer for good measure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, this team is, I mean, it's just this next man up mentality with this team. I mean, that seventh inning, this is the second time this postseason the Nats have batted around in an inning. And I don't really know how often that happens. Um, especially a team, you know, that, I don't know. I, I don't know how, how often that has happened. I'd wonder if someone could look that up. Um, but I think that, this team is, is just, I don't know, it's just special. And it's something that we were talking about off-air before we recorded um, is something with, with uh, Davey. Um, and I, I gave him a shout last night. I'm going to give him a shout again tonight. You know, every move that Davey seems to make this postseason has worked in his favor. It has just worked out well. Whether it's, you know, leaving Howie Kendrick in during the first series to tonight, you know, Estrubo Cabrera looked overmatched in in the first three at-bats tonight, and he looked overmatched in a couple at-bats last night. He really looked like he was bringing a long bat out there and just wasn't yeah. putting up good at-bats. And so when you had the bases loaded with him coming up, you know, it would have been reasonable to possibly, you know, either bring in Dozier or bring in Adams to pinch hit hit for him and then bring Dozier in. There were lots of there options. lots of options. And, you know, granted to Davey, he knows when to keep his guys in. And as Tua Cabrera delivered with that liner up the middle, it scored two. Um, so it's Davey. It just I said this last night. I'm, again, I'm saying it again. Davey just has such a feel for his guys, and he knows who can deliver where. And it's just really impressive to see how far he's come as a manager to kind of learn the feel for his guys in October. Um, and that's the most important thing is to kind of understand who your guys are and where you can put them and where they can play. And I think that's a key part of this team's success, just his knowledge of his players. I think the biggest thing he's done this playoffs is know which guys he should trust and, and let struggle through something and which guys he should keep with a very short lease. And he's also, he has managed very aggressively. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not so much today. There wasn't much no. today that he could do aggressively. By the time there was a chance for him to get creative with the seventh inning, the Nats scored six runs and he didn't have to. Uh, but he has shown the kind of urgency that you need to win in the playoffs. And that's been really impressive. I mean, I know that he's had this go one and know every day, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow mentality over the course of a regular season. And it's infuriating over the course of a regular season because it, it's not sustainable. Uh, I mean, it got Sean Doolittle nearly killed, mm -hmm. but but the the same approach is exactly what you need in the playoffs. And from everything from his willingness to use Corbin for the sixth yesterday to his willingness to – I mean, Corbin has made two starts and four relief appearances this playoffs. He's been used essentially as a swing man, which, by the way, shout out to Patrick Corbin – not an easy thing to do. No. As, uh, I mean, granted, he hasn't been super effective. Well, he's, uh, I mean, besides that fifth inning, outside of two innings, he's looked good. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah he's had a, a bad one outing in relief and a bad fifth inning as a starter. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, the way that Davey Martinez has managed, I mean, going to Hudson yesterday, having him up immediately behind Rainey, that's the kind of thing that you have to do in the playoffs because you know who you can trust and you know who you can't trust. And you know that if there's a pitcher in a position where you can't trust them, that you have to maybe extend the guy that you can trust. Uh, I mean, he's he's managed with urgency. And so far, even the, the things that he does that, that haven't really made sense of work. Yeah. So... I think I mean, with this team, that's the way you have to manage, though. You have to manage everyone, especially with the bullpen, with its short leash, and the fact that you can't trust anyone. I mean, there are some people on Twitter who, who comment that, you know, Davey's managing every game like it's a Game 7 of the World Series. But that's the only way this team can win these games, is managing like that, because they have two relievers. I mean, that's the truth. They have two reliable relievers. I mean, Rainey looked good tonight. I wouldn't, he's not a reliable reliever. By any means, no. I mean, I is the exact opposite of a reliable. Reliever. Exactly. So, when you have two relievers, this is how you have to manage, and right. especially against the Astros, because I said this before, and I keep repeating myself. That's what happens when you do so many podcasts. I only have so many Wait, ideas. Um, I know. But the Astros are a team that could wear out pitchers, starting pitching, and they've done that so far. I mean, Scherzer for five, Strasburg for six, both reaching over a hundred pitches. This is exactly. How they over 110 pitches. Yeah, this is exactly their mo. I mean, they just wear down pitchers, and so you had to have a third option appear in the bullpen, or you had to get creative. And so far, uh, he's gotten creative, and it's well tonight he didn't have to worry about that. That's another thing though, is that Davey sometimes. I mean, he's going to have to make a really really tough decision in the seventh inning about what to do, and he got. Really lucky that the Nats decided to put this game out of reach. Yep. I mean, obviously, Rodney was up in the seventh, which means Corbin couldn't go back to that. Yeah. It was always iffy. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a good idea if he could do it. But uh, kudos to Davey for going and asking him and getting him to be honest about whether or not he could do mm-hmm. it. Uh, but the Nats extremely bailed them out. And then Rodney... I mean, not that it was such a tense moment at that point with a six-run lead, but Rodney did throw up a scoreless frame, and Rainey was good in his inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Let's take a sort of a step back here and appreciate what the Nats just did. The Nats hung losses on the best and the second-best pitchers in the American League and possibly in all of baseball this year in their home ballpark against very likely the best team in baseball to go up two to nothing in the World Series with three games at home. They've got the Astros slated for a bullpen game in one of them, and they've got Max Scherzer scheduled for another one of them. Yep. Uh, they have faced down the toughest test of this series with a plop. We would have been happy if they got out of Houston with one win. And they escaped with not only two wins, but that second win was a convincing oh, win. Oh, yeah, it was a, a soul-crushing win. Because, 
I mean, they've said this a lot. The Nats have been able to score so many runs with two outs. And that's, you know, demoralizing to a team is when they score so many runs with two outs because you're one, one pitch away from getting out of it. And well, I know that as of yesterday, the Nats had scored, I think it was 49% of their runs in the playoffs with two outs. Yeah. And now it's obviously higher. Yeah, well, tonight they scored, uh, you know, five runs in the, the seventh with two outs. And right. then they scored, um, yeah, that's it. Five runs. Oh, no, they scored. Yeah, I guess it, they scored one run no, in it. the um, in the in the eighth with with two outs too. Well, so there it is. It's it's exactly meeting their average. Mm-hmm. They're still at forty nine percent of runs scored this playoffs with two outs, yep. which is just they. I mean, you gotta have a good approach and you gotta get lucky a bunch. And the Nats have a real and I probably shouldn't say this because I might regret it, but they've got a real team of destiny vibe to them. Yeah. Got a real good, uh, I mean, got a good shot to close this thing out in front of your home fans, but let's see. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself. They still have, I mean, they still have still cranky, cranky tomorrow. Cranky tomorrow. Friday. Uh, but they have cranky tomorrow. Cole and Scherzer. I mean, Cole and, and Verlander still would pitch. And that, no, no, no. I mean, it, they would pitch if um, the the if the Astros won a game, and they, well, it would be curious if the if the Nats can win on Friday, whether or not they would bring Cole back on short rest. Uh, but that's something we'll worry about if we get to it. I uh, I don't want to say start planning anything for next week but I mean my god to to do what the Nats just did to put themselves in the position that they put themselves it's it's downright miraculous you gotta feel and, pretty 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 dang good about it yeah and, I mean yeah I mean it really the and the thing about that's great about Davies go one and oh today is the fact that it doesn't really seem like this gets to the Nats, this idea that, you know, we're so close because they just keep playing for the one day. And so, you know, a lot of teams, I mean, there have been, oh, was it, I think I saw 25 teams that go up 2 nothing in a series and only three have lost. Um, yep. Uh, I think it's 8 of 11. It's actually surprisingly low. 8 of 11 teams that have gone up 2-0 on the road have won. Yeah. That's way lower than I would have expected. But, uh, I mean, uh, the last one to do it was the 96 Braves, who won up 2-0 on the road and then lost four straight. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, it would be great if that didn't happen. Yeah. But uh, hopefully Mark Wallers won't pitch for the Nats. Nope. Uh, and give up a giant home and run to Jim say, slurs on NBC. Yeah, I cannot believe... I'm sorry, this is a complete aside, <laughs> but uh, I, f- I found a video uh, on from SNL from 1997 that just had a cornucopia of guys you would remember from the 90s. It's a, it's a very, weird, very weird sketch, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a bad sketch. 
No, it just it was so many baseball guys. Uh -huh. I don't even know whose idea that sketch was or how it came to air, but it was terrific. They had like Todd Hundley, Mark Grudzelanek, Mark Wallers was there, uh, uh, Gerald Williams. It was just it was amazing. I it was like a time capsule of 1990s baseball. Mm -hmm. But anyway, on that completely random esoteric note, uh, I think. Now's as good a time to wrap up as any. Yep. Uh, jo Johnny and I will both be at the World Series, games three, four, and five, uh, which is just amazing to say. I cannot believe it. Yeah, I mean, uh, hope maybe only games three and four. Who knows? Yeah, don't, don't get cocky, kid. Hey. All right, Han. Yeah, I'm definitely Han Solo in this Juan situation. Soto. Juan Soto, <laughs> sorry. Yes, you've been corrected I've on been that. corrected. All right. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys next time. We'll talk to you next time.